You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. These things were written for our learning and our understanding. If we don't learn and understand and glean from these scriptures, that we need to put God first. We cannot allow God to be taken out of our lives. We cannot transfer our worship from God to something else. Anytime we transfer our worship from God and place it on something else, that something we place it on becomes an idol. Anything other than the one true living God is an idol. The Bible is full of knowledge and wisdom. Some of it is very obviously what the writer is trying to get across. But sometimes it can be very confusing what the Bible is trying to teach you. It may even seem useless or outdated. However, Pastor Dave will remind you that all Scripture has a purpose and meaning. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 19 as he continues his message, Just When You Thought It Couldn't Get Any Worse. You can walk away from him. Remember what he told the church of Ephesus in Revelation? You've left your first love. You didn't lose it. You left it. You walked away. We distance ourselves from God. But as we draw near to God, he convicts us of our sin. And so we lament, mourn, and weep as appropriate under the conviction of sin. And then we're we're compelled to come to the cross for cleansing. We're compelled to come back to the cross for cleansing. So, the Levite and his wife finally leave dad behind. They finally break away from dad. The partying days are over, and he's going to move on. So we're going to read verses 10 through 21. Actually, 9 through 21. And, the man, and when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here, that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow you go your way, early, so that you don't get, so that you may get home. However, the man was not willing to spend the night. So he rose and departed and came opposite Jebus, that is Jerusalem. With him were the two saddled donkeys. His concubine also was also with him. They were near Jebus, and the day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, Come, please. Let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not the children of Israel. We will go on to Geba. Boy, will that come back to haunt him. He didn't want to stay with foreigners. He'd rather stay with the children of Israel, not knowing what was going on in Gebeth. When he got there. So he said to his servant, Come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gebeth or in Ramah. And they passed by and went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gebeth, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gebeah. And when he went in, he sat down in the open square of the city. 
for no one would take him into his house to spend the night. Just then an old man came in from his work in the field of the evening, who was also from the mountains of Ephraim. He was staying in Gebiah, whereas the men of, of the place were Benjamites. When he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city, and the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? So he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem to Judah towards the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem and Judah, now I am going to the house of the Lord. But there is no one who will take me into his house, although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself. For your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant, there is no lack of anything. The old man said, Peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. So he brought him to into, into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Dangerous to travel. At any time during this period in Israel, dangerous to travel, especially at night. It was interesting that he didn't want to stay in the city of pagans, Jebus. Remember, Israel, Jerusalem still belonged to the Jebusites because they failed to run the Jebusites out. They failed to conquer Jerusalem. So they made it to Gibeah. They can't find lodging. He sits there in the town square and waits for someone to take him in. But they could not find anybody to take him in. Right away, he should know that something's wrong. Because hospitality was a sacred law. Back then, you would take strangers into your house. You would take them in and feed them and lodge them. This is what they did. No stranger was supposed to be neglected. And it's interesting. Sometimes in our own culture, we think about strangers. There's a scripture in Hebrews that says, Be careful entertaining strangers. You may entertain an angel. We have to be... You really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and led when you're entertaining these people. But finally, one man shows up. He happens to be from the mountains of Ephraim, just like the Levite. He lived in the same city and asked if they needed lodging. No, the Levite and his party received hospitality. Things go south in a hurry. And this is where the story gets bizarre. It's where the story gets real bizarre. So we're going to read from 22 to 24. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house, that we may know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly, seeing this man has come into my house. Do not commit this outrage. Look! Here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do what you as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing. Okay, so we have a contradiction here. We have a lot of contradictions happening here. A lot of contradictions. Certainly appears that these men of Gibeah have become like Sodom in the book of Genesis where Lot lived a city where men indulged in immoral practices that was contrary to nature. Paul wrote about this being contrary to nature in Romans 1. It was also contrary to God's law. You can read about that in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20 and 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10. Come on out that we might know him. The word know here is they wanted to have sexual relations with the guy. They wanted to bring him out and they wanted to have sex with him. The host calls them wicked and vile. I like that. Except the fact that then he turns around 
And he offers them his virgin daughter and the, and the concubine. The story just gets bizarre, hoping that they would satisfy their lust on them. This is a very similar story to Lot. The same thing happened, remember, when the angels came in? They came in to rescue Lot. They came into Lot's house. The men started pounding on the door, and they wanted the men to be brought out. Lot even offered his daughters, remember? Lot offered his daughters to come out. Very similar. Makes you wonder how a father can do such a thing. It's interesting because Paul, writing to his beloved son Timothy, when he's talking about people's affections in the word of God, he says in verse 13 of, of chapter 3 in, verse, in 2 Timothy, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men are going to grow worse and worse. This is what's happening right here in front of us. They're growing worse and they're growing worse. It started with idolatry. It started when they took God away and they replaced them with other gods. And they started worshiping false gods. Now all of a sudden, it's crazy. What kind of junk do your children watch on TV every day? What kind of trash does your children watch on TV or your grandchildren watch? Because if your TV is getting the same thing I'm getting, it's just trash. It's just really, really trash. What are they learning? What are they seeing? Some woman is in a dollar store with her 13-year-old daughter, and some guy in broad daylight, grabs the girl and wants to kidnap her. And he's dragging her down the aisle and the mother's running after her and they're having a tug of war with the child. It's on the video. This is the nation in which we live, folks. Take God out of the picture and this is the kind of stuff that happens. Luckily, the woman wouldn't let go of her daughter, praise God, and there was an off-duty cop who came in. And the guy is now arrested. Probably get a great lawyer and sue the mom and the uh, cop. So he says, all right, send us out the virgin daughter. No, it gets worse. Let's read on. Verse 25. But the men would not heed him, so the man took his concubine. The Levite took his concubine and brought her out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. Takes her out and he gives her to him. And you think, how could he possibly do that? Well, the guy doesn't have a conscience because he went in and went in but the bed. He went in and went to bed. Was he punishing her for being unfaithful, as some of the scholars think, because she was unfaithful? Remember, she was unfaithful in verse 1. Was he punishing her? Don't you think the punishment is a tad harsh, if that be the case? Oh, no, but it gets worse. Let's look at 27 and 28. Well, actually, 26. Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. When her master arose in the morning, see, he was asleep, and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way, there was his concubine falling at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, get up and let's get going. 
but there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. Guy waits till the next morning. He goes out. She's lying there. He says, get up. And she doesn't move, so he throws her on the donkey, and he takes her to his house. He has absolutely no guilt. He puts her on the donkey. I'm sure he laid her over the donkey and carried her. Does he know she's dead? Takes her on a donkey and he takes her to his home. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Let's finish out the chapter. And when he entered his house, he took a knife, laid hold of his concubine and divided her into 12 pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was that all who saw it said, no such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. <laughs> he does the unthinkable once again. He desecrates her body. He cuts it up into 12 pieces and sends one to each tribe, 12 tribes. Talk about a heartless individual. Talk about the depravity of man. What's he trying to do? Well, we know from chapter 20 that he's trying to get support to come against these guys who did this. He's trying to get support. And sadly, guess what? It works. Sadly for him, it works. Though, though the men, in pervert, or men of Gibeah are perverted and they're clearly guilty, what about the Levite? Where's his guilt? What about the guy who brought them in? This sounds like a horror movie. If I give this to um, Stanley, who was the guy's name? Craven. One of the directors, Craven, or, or Cesar Romero, who did Night of the Living Dead, or even Tim Burton, they'd make this into a movie to make a fortune off of it. It'd be like something out of a horror movie. They, they, they were, should have been sacrificing themselves. They should have driven these guys away. But remember what the Levite said? This is the crazy thing about it. Remember what the Levite said to the father-in-law? I think it was to the father-in-law. Help me out here. Where did he say it? In one of the scriptures, in verse 18. In verse 18, listen to what he tells the guy who wants to take them in. He said, we're passing from Bethlehem to Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now, I'm going to the house of the Lord. Excuse me? What? I'm going to the house of the Lord. That was never his intent. He was going home. By the way, where was the house of the Lord at this time? Shiloh. Shiloh was where the house of the Lord was. When we take matters into our own hands and do not consult with God, we cause ourselves so many problems, so many difficulties. When you take God out of a nation, when you take God out of a nation that God clearly established, like Israel, like the United States, when you take God away, these are the sort of things that happen. This could come right out of today's newspaper. This could come right out of today's things. It's interesting, though, later, centuries later, 
Two times the prophet Hosea mentions this wickedness here. Two times the prophet Hosea mentions this wickedness. He says in Hosea 9.9, They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. And then in 10.9, O Israel, you have sinned from the days of Gibeah. So this sinfulness has followed them all this time. Has constantly followed them. Things just don't change. Things just don't change. Everybody was doing right in their own in their own eyes. They were making up their own laws. They were doing what seems right. Whatever works mentality. That's what they had. But in reality, everything they did was against God's word. The nation would suffer greatly because of these iniquities. There are always consequences for our actions. There are always consequences for our actions. I couldn't go any further. I thought maybe we'd get into, into chapter 20. I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever read. I have read it before. But man, when you study it and look at it, it's depraved. It's depraved. But why would God put this in a book? Why would God allow the Holy Spirit to tell the person writing this to put it there. What are your thoughts? It's like this was written thousands of years ago, and here we are reading this thing. It's like um, I'm watching this. It's like somebody wrote this down the other day. It's like somebody just wrote this down. These things were written for our learning and our understanding. If we don't learn and understand and glean from these scriptures, that we need to put God first. We cannot allow God to be taken out of our lives. We cannot transfer our worship from God to something else. Anytime we transfer our worship from God and place it on something else, that something we place it on becomes an idol. Anything other than the one true living God is an idol. And the problem is the idol can end up being a TV. It can end up being a career. It could end up being a person. Or persons, it could be our children, it could be our grandchildren, it could be recreational activities, it could be sports. Anytime we allow anything like that, good things, please, good things. I'm not sitting here, we'll have to never speak to our grandchildren again. Well, I have grandchildren, that's not going to happen. All these things are good things. But when they put in the place of God, Anytime God takes a second, third, fourth, or come down the line, there's a problem. Look at what's happening in our own country today. We told you, look, starting in 1959 with prayer out of the schools and moving forward, look what's happening here. I mean, you, you've read, and look at, oh, look at the outrage of all these crazy things that happened. People marching and holding signs and yelling and screaming and hollering about a gorilla that was killed. When probably that same day, thousands upon thousands of babies were killed from abortions. And it's just second nature. Oh, it's a woman's choice. Okay, you know. And nothing's thought about it. Nothing's even, it's like it just happens. Okay, okay. I mean, these visions and these films we see on TV are just flashing before us and they become common nature. They become common thing. Everybody carries a phone. Everybody carries a phone. How about those people, those crazy people in, where was it? California someplace 
that lady had a Trump shirt on and these people were throwing eggs at her and be, trying to be nasty to her and there were guys inside the place holding the door so she couldn't get in. Because she wants a vote for Trump in a nation that is free? What's free about that? See, we've got things askewed, folks. I know I'm talking to the choir, but we got things askewed. Things are just really weird. We're no better than they are. We are absolutely no better than they are. I think one post I read on Facebook was kind of humorous. It said, finally, the gorilla got to stop talking about bathrooms. Just look at, look at where we are, folks. Look at where we are. If, 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 if the Lord tarries much longer... What's the next step? Where is the next step? I shudder to think. I shudder to think what the next step is in this country. What is the next political, you know, I mean, I'm ranting here and I'm on, I feel like I'm on a soapbox, but that's okay. I have the microphone. We're past the Titanic. We're sinking deep by the bow. We're going down fast, folks. We're going down fast. You can't call. You cannot call. Those people who have been incarcerated in jail, you can no longer call them felons or convicts. Because if you call them felons or convicts, you're going to hurt their feelings. So they've taken away those two names, felons and convicts. You can't call them that. I cannot do nothing but, but, but put the two together. I read this. These things were written for our learning. Are we really gleaning from this, what we need to be gleaning here, or are we just shoving it off? Are we just shoving it off because it doesn't affect us? That's what scares me. What scares me is we're just shoving this off because, oh, it doesn't affect me. Oh, it doesn't affect you at all. It does affect us. There is nothing new under the sun. How much longer will the Lord strive with the United States of America? A country that was founded on biblical principles, a country that was founded for freedom of religion, a constitution that was based on parts of the Bible, men who talked about God constantly, who had God in their daily lives. If you don't believe me, go into the internet and read their writings. Read the things that they wrote, all these men. Read the things they wrote. I mean, go back. You don't have to even go back that far. We celebrated the anniversary, 72nd anniversary of the invasion of Normandy, D-Day. And when Eisenhower sent the troops out, he wrote them a letter. You should just read that letter. He talks about God. He talks about being under God's influence and how God is going to take care of this country and how he's going to have us have us win. This was only 72 years ago. He couldn't do that now. He could not write that letter right now. He could not write that letter right now. You are the Old Testament book of Judges that you've been studying with Pastor Dave Shank gives you a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The Israelites seem to cycle through a pattern. They follow God, turn away from Him, become aware of their sin, and finally repent and step back onto God's path. Each time, God brings a judge to lead them creatively back to Himself showing His power and mercy time and time again. Israel's history is one we still see today. Many people fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. 
They follow Him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of their errors. God is always faithful to forgive, though, when you come to Him in repentance. His mercy is new every day, and He's big enough to cover every mistake from your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry, or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Be sure to check out the service times and directions to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Thanks for being part of our time here today on Assure Hope. Assure Hope.